I do have a quick word I want to share this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, we know that the kingdom of God and God himself is outside of time. He's eternal. And the kingdom is not something that can, can clearly be defined in a linear kind of way. Uh, as, a, as, as this is the boundary of the kingdom. The, the scripture actually says that it's ever increasing. And so it, in, it, in, it incorporates the church, but it transcends the church. The kingdom of God, and when Jesus came into this world to make disciples, he actually introduced them to the kingdom. True. You guys with me? And so I want to speak this morning just a little bit about, I mean, because it is an opportunity for us at the end of the year, the final Sunday of the year, to, uh, to take certain things and to, to lay them down, to say, okay, enough of this, lay it down, and to, and to press on to, into, into the next things that God has for us. So I do want to read a couple of scriptures. It says, so those who hear me and do what I say are like those intelligent people who build their homes on solid rock where rain and floods and winds cannot shake them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. And then in Matthew 28, verse 20, it says, train them to do everything that I have told you. Then in Luke 6, which is just a different translation of the Matthew 7 scripture that I've just read, verse 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and puts them into practice, so comes to me, listens to my words, comes, listens, and then puts them into practice, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on bedrock. And when the flood came and the river burst against the house, but could not shake it, it was because it had been well built. But the person who hears and does not put my word into practice is like the man who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against that house, it collapses immediately, and it was utterly destroyed. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that we know that you have us in the palm of your hand. We thank you that your plans for us is to serve the purpose of the kingdom of heaven and to make it known here on earth where we are. We thank you that Mike and Bethany and their family are in Romania there with Jimmy and Gina and many others that you've commissioned, that you've sent. But for us here, we are here as a group of families because you have sent us here. We thank you for that. We thank you that through our lives and because of our lives, your kingdom is revealed. And we know, Lord, that your kingdom in certain areas will be contrary to the kingdom of this world. And we don't want to hyper-focus on, on the wrong things. We want to fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, this Jesus that has put us on this path that leads to life. So Lord, right now, I pray that each one of us will be able to fix, fix our affection and our attention, turn our hearts, our eyes onto you. And we thank you that your word produces life in us. And that as we hear it, we would assimilate it and it would produce something in us that is very fruitful. 30, 60, and 100 fold. It produces much. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The words from Jesus um, <clears throat> that Jesus 
that I read from the Gospels here show very clearly that it is possible for us both to do what Jesus wants us to do and not to do what Jesus wants us to do. And subsequently, as a result of that decision, to either be the wise, intelligent person who hears and does, or to be the one that hears and does not do. And the comparison is so beautiful, and it's so clear, and it's so repetitive throughout Scripture, that I feel that it's a, it's a bit of a cornerstone that God wants to establish in us as a community. We hear a lot about abundant life. Remember, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. True? True, true. And I feel that our approach to God, our view of God must be, um, Lord, how can, we, how can I serve your purpose? Rather than, Lord, this is what I want to do. How can you serve my purpose? Which will bring us to this legitimate reality of, of Hebrews 12, where God treats us as sons. Because without discipline, there's no real legitimacy. And I know that we don't talk about this a lot in our community because we are so focused on the presence of God. And I do believe that lots flow from the presence of God. So much flows from the presence. But I feel in my spirit personally, and everything I'm about to say to you and have already said to you, I say to myself, absolutely. It's not a pointing of the finger. But I feel that the year that we've come out of and the year that we are going into is a year where God is taking a hold of us, showing us his incredible love. By disciplining us, bringing us into a place where we can live up to this incredible Hebrew word that I learned. It's called listen to. Have you guys heard of listen to? It's a Hebrew word. <laughs> now I'm teasing. It's not a Hebrew word. It's just listen and do. Listen and do. And it's so amazing that scripture has this, this theme that repeats itself. The wise man is the one who drew near. He listened and he did. The foolish man... The Bible actually speaks, the foolish man there is actually a man who's less intelligent, the Bible speaks about. He's a guy, he listens, like we all listen, and he does not do. And as a result, when the storm comes, the house falls. And everything about the kingdom of heaven is going to have a countercultural expression through us into the world we live in today. The world that we live in today is all about convenience and comfort. So much so that we can now tell the light switches to go on and off. And many, many... You can think of a thousand different things. But in the kingdom of God, there is this call to a place of obedience. Isn't that exciting for 2019? I get so saturated towards the end of a year of all the partying. I was going to make a banner. I made a banner for the front that says, come and sing carols with us. And when I was there, I asked the guy, how much would a big banner cost, cost like 40 foot long by eight that says, the party is here? I wanted to put it on the front of the church. You know, the party is here. I thought it was funny. Okay. Are you guys sleeping or what? What's going on? So, I want to just read some stuff here that I've written down. It says, these words from Jesus show that it must be possible to hear and to do what he said. It also must be possible to train his apprentices in such a way that they routinely do everything that he said was best for them to do. I believe that there's a place, remember what I spoke about last week briefly about perception. There's a place that what we do with intention for a long period of time in drawing close to God and saying no to these things that we always want for the sake of seeing the kingdom reveal. There's a place that we get to where what we do with intention becomes the very natural thing that we do next. 
Does that make sense to you? So we're living naturally, supernaturally. And if we want to, I said this to Kathy yesterday, I hope I'm going to remember it. I feel the Lord say to me that if we want to live in the miraculous in 2019, which is definitely a manifestation of this reality that we are living as, as, as disciples of Jesus and manifesting the kingdom, we're going to have to be able to see the invisible. For us to live in the miraculous, we must ask God to open our eyes that we would see the way that he sees. Are you with me? How can churches know if they are being effective at making disciples? This is Dallas Willard. I'm just reading a paragraph. Many churches are measuring the wrong thing. We measure things like attendance, giving, but we should look more fundamentally to the things like anger, contempt, honesty, materialism, and the degree of which people are under the thumb of their lusts. Those things can be counted, but not as easily as the offering. The end of a year for me is always an evaluation time. Anybody else like that? We just come to the place where you think, wow, what was this year about? So yesterday morning, no, the morning before yesterday morning, at about 1.20 I woke up, because Julia texts me because she's awake at 1.20, and texts me and I woke up. And it was snowing outside. We were with friends in Collingwood. And I lift the blind up and I just sat looking over the lake. And it was snowing. Everything was radiant and it's absolutely beautiful. And I was thinking about 2018. God, what did you do in 2018 in my life? And it's overwhelming what God had done in my life. It obviously is. And I'm sure in your life as well. But when we come to this year of evaluating, at the end of our year, God has done some serious strategic things. But in my life, am I kinder? Am I meeker? Am I more generous? Am I more free from the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes? Am I less covetousness, covetous? And to me, those things are the real measures of growth. You know? They're the real measures of growth. And because, because we are effectively preparing ourselves and training, and as we follow Jesus' disciples, raising up and dragging with us another generation that will run and far outrun us, the true forms of evaluation, friends, I promise you, are the internal realities of who we are in Christ. And those are so, sometimes so awkward to measure, but they're worth pursuing. And if we get disillusion in that reality, some of us have been doing emotionally healthy discipleship, spirituality. There's only one thing to do, is to go back to Jesus. Go back in silence and solitude and allow him by his spirit to evaluate your life. Awesome. Obedience and abundance is inseparable. I know that we speak about abundant life a lot, and I do believe in abundant life without a shadow of a doubt, but I don't think that we can separate abundance from obedience. And it's not a popular message really in the church today because we'd rather measure in other ways which are more tangible. But friends, if we are known because of our coffee shop, which is super cool, or because of our building, or because we, 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 we for anything else, but the, the, the qualities and the characteristics of the kingdom of God in our lives, oozing out of our lives every day, wherever we go, we are still missing the point. If Jesus puts us on a path, 
And we're walking this path. I don't know if you've ever done this in your life. I do it sometimes, and that's why I'm not very fond of walking. Okay, hiking. I mean hiking. I, I love hiking. I love it because Catherine loves it, and Catherine is amazing. She can hike for days and days. But back in 1990-something, I was cured from that, from that love of walking in the army where you walked 40, 40 kilometers, you got to the base, and, and the colonel would say, okay, guys, you didn't make it in the three hours, you go back. And then you'd walk back through the night to get to the other side. And it lost its appeal for me. But sometimes when you're walking, this is what I was trained to do always since a young boy, is to continue to look up to see the beauty that is around you. And you can see it. As soon as we walk like one, two, three kilometers, everybody's heads go from, wow, look at this beautiful place we're at, to the path in front of you. And eventually everybody's just putting one step in front of the other, walking, looking down at the path. Who does that? Am I the only one? <laughs> okay, I guess I'm the only one. Jesus put us on a path. And if we become weary... Our encouragement is look up from the path and see him and see him in his beauty and be transfixed upon him and allow his presence and his beauty and his love and his voice to transform us, to strengthen us, to fill us with joy so that we don't become obsessed with the path, but with the one who put us there. So don't we lose the wood for the tree, so we don't lose the plot. By making everything, even including our own life, so wonderful and comfortable that we're missing and we're losing Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Him and Him alone. So, wouldn't you like to be the one who is intelligent, the intelligent person, to know how to live this rich and abundant life? And I'm going to just list a couple of things of this world. One who's free from loneliness. Free from fear. Fear of all kinds of things. Fear. Are there thousands of variations of the enemy? Free from all anxiety. Filled with peace and joy. Would you like to love your neighbor as yourself? I'd like to love all my neighbors except the one at the back. But I have to love the neighbors. Free from anger. Like John, John's so free from anger. Free from envy. Free from lust. Free from covetousness. Free from materialism. These are all just the norms of society. The norms. Would you like to have no need for others to praise you? Think about that for a second. And if you do something for Jesus and it's a month, and the romance is worn off, and now you still have to come and do it for Jesus, and nobody notices because you're so dependent on the praise of others. Would you like to be free from that? It's possible. I do believe that when we are free from that, that we're living in the abundance. And there always will be that wonderful test that God takes us through, not because he's wanting to catch us out, but because he wants us to be people of substance. Would you like to not be paralyzed and humiliated by the dislikes and the condemnations of others. You know, that feeling of, oh, are you serious? Did you just tell me that? You know? Would you like to have the inspiration and the strength to lead a constant life of creativity? How many of you here think that you are creative as a human being? You know that you are creative. Yes, that's, that's 90% of us. The rest of you, you are creative. You just have to find the niche. Yes. 
The first thing that I find that when I'm tired and exhausted and I've taken my eyes off Jesus and I'm no longer drinking from this well and from this reality and I'm literally living in disobedience to Jesus, my creativity dries up. Remember, sin means missing the point. So it's not these horrors sometimes. It's just God says, go this way. And I say, no, I want to go this way. Motivated by any one of these things that I've just said to you. The desire to be praised by people. Lord, let me rather do this because I desire to have someone pat me on the back and say, well done. Good, good, well done. I don't want to do it in secret. I said it to Levi the other day. Okay, but what do you want? Do you want your reward in heaven or do you want it now? He said to me, I want it now. (laughs) I said, okay. Or the strength and the understanding merely to help someone who has forced you to drop what you're very busy with right here and to help them. These are wonderful attributes of the kingdom. They are the attributes of abundant life. This is what abundant life looks like. The ability to say, all right, I am busy painting my house But I will leave that to take you for a milkshake if that's really what you need or whatever the scenario might be. And do it full of joy and full of delight, true delight. Because our perceptions have been changed, like Hebrew says. We've been trained by the discipline of the Spirit to that which we do with intention, now becoming the natural person who we are. Does that make sense? Clearly, our entire inner reality or thoughts or feelings would have to be transformed to bring us to such a place. Yes, that's the work of the Spirit. Friends, I do believe that in 2019, God is going to bring us to a place of confinement, to a place where we delight, like Scripture says, delight. We love to obey Him. Because even if it's super contrary to the reality what we see, it leads us into the miraculous because we cannot live in the miraculous until we see the invisible. Because we cannot live by what we see, that's what scripture says, but we, we live by faith. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things not yet seen. So we cannot see with these things. When Paul, with all his passion, pursued God, that same God knocked him off his high horse and blinded him. It's so interesting. Why not give him a sprained ankle so he had to be out of commission? No, he blinded him. He could no longer see because he was so drunk with the passion of pleasing God, but it's completely in the wrong way that God had to blind him to give him new eyes and an ability to see. Those disciples never turn back. Those disciples never waver. Even in the darkest night, those disciples don't change. They don't look back. I once was blind, but now I see. That's the beauty of this kingdom. I know this is not a 10-point sermon. Forgive me. And so may I ask myself along about whether I really want to give up all the behavioral options that would disappear from my repertoire if I become a person that I just described in these scriptures, like the intelligent guy. Do I love my neighbor? Do I... Do I take the slap on the other cheek? That's super tough, guys. Even one slap. You're going to have to be really fast to give me one slap. Another one? And on and on and on throughout the Gospels. If you want to know what Jesus is like, you can see him clearly in the Gospels. He is so beautiful. 
And, and that's why in our world today, we call Matthew 5, the, the Sermon on the Mount, it's the upside-down kingdom. We call it the upside-down kingdom because our kingdom is actually the upside-down kingdom. Or the world that we live in is actually the, the upside-down world. And I want to conclude. And I want to conclude. Kingdom obedience is kingdom abundance. Obedience is actually an amazing word. Uh, Discipline is actually an amazing word. Uh, And um, yeah, it's it's an amazing word. And and they're not not two separate things. And, and, And as we walk into this year, let me just encourage you today and ask you today, um, you know, when, when Bethany stood up here and she said, you know, what's happening in Romania is because Jimmy and Gina said yes. Now, I, you guys remember when they were here and they told us the story of the building in Romania. It, it was an impossibility, right? But why did they see it? Because they weren't looking with the eyes, the eyes of, 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 of uh, what's the, what, what a common sense or this doesn't make sense. This is impossible. But God said something. And it happens in all of our lives. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And so despite the fact that his body was as good as dead, Abraham believed God who promised that he would have a son. And despite the fact that there was no money in the bank, God said, go from here to there and reproduce what you're doing here and I will make it happen. Or he might not even have said, I will make it happen. But it took just one man, and often does that. Often happens like that. It can take one community. It can take us as a people who properly evaluate, not from what we see on the outside, but truly by evaluating what's on the inside and comparing it clearly to the kingdom realities we see in Scripture. And then to, if we see we don't, are not there in that place, to draw near to Jesus until we delight in obedience when we then walk into the abundance I'm convinced, utterly convinced, that everybody in this entire place, God wants us to live in the miraculous, in the supernatural, as we call it. But years ago, a guy, Tony Fitzgerald, prophesied over Catherine and I that we will live naturally supernatural. I could never figure out what that really means. But the day we get to the place where our minds are made up, we delight in obedience, we live in the abundance of the kingdom of heaven, we then become... Supernaturally supernatural. Amen. Hallelujah. Those Christian behaviors are expressions of a pervasive personal strength. It's joy, not of weakness, morbidity, and sorrow, or raw exertions of the will, as is so often assumed. The correlation between faith in Christ and the obedience, the abundance of life in Christ has now become super clear. But somehow in the world, it's still some mysterious thing. There's no mystery, friends. 2019 is a wonderful year of abundance, increase, enlargement. It'll come through our obedience, our delighting in obedience, and God will, God will do the rest. It's this church. Are you guys ready for brunch? I can't even smell anything up from down there yet. Let's stand together and pray.